0: This morning, I just want to share a few thoughts from a book in the Old Testament. We're going to do a bit of reading this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, have them ready, and uh, we'll share the Word of God, because the Word of God is more important than probably anything that I'll say. So if we read the Word, that will speak to you in volumes. I want to talk about a a well-known person in the Old Testament and uh, see what we can learn from him. So if you've got your Bibles, or your phones, or whatever tech that you're into these days that's got a Bible on it, we're gonna turn to 1 Samuel chapter three. I'm gonna start at verses one, well, from verse one to 10 to start with. So it's 1 Samuel chapter three, starting at verse one. It says, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could hardly see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am, and he ran to Eli and said, Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Amen. So it's a well-known portion of Scripture. And all my markers are going to fall out of the Bible, so we're going to be all over the place this morning. So I just want to, you know, have a look at some of the things we can perhaps learn from Samuel. First of all, Samuel was special to God. He was a special person to God. In chapter 1, we we read the account of how Hannah, his mother, uh, who was unable to have children, was pleading with God in the temple to enable her to have a son. That's chapter 1, verse 10. It says, In deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. If you read the, the account, um, Hannah was one of two wives uh, to Elkanah, and the, the other wife, had got children, uh, but Hannah couldn't have any, and she used to torment Hannah about it and tease her. And uh, Hannah uh, went to the Lord, and she prayed that she would have a son. And she vowed that uh, if she was given a son, she would present him back to God for the rest of his life. And in due course, Hannah became pregnant, and she bore a son, whom she named Samuel which means God has heard me. Uh, so she named him, you know, because God had honoured her prayer. And true to, true to her word, uh, once he was weaned, so, I can't remember that far back. I don't know how long it takes to wean children nowadays. A few months, into, you know. So after he was weaned, she took him to the temple and handed him to Eli the priest uh, to serve the Lord for the rest of his life. I imagine that must have been difficult had not it you know she she you know been asking for a son for for years and then after a few months she gave him back so how difficult would that have been and you know how often do we keep our word to God in smaller things you know very often we'll say yeah I'll I'll do that I'll <clears throat> I'll get up you know in the morning and and, and read the bible and then we don't so, we, you know, it must have been really difficult for Hannah uh, to do that. But she honoured her word because God had honoured her. And before he was born, <clears throat> God had a plan for him. And he became he became known as one of the recognised prophets uh, in Israel in those days. In chapter 3, verse 20, a bit further down, he says, All Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, Beersheba recognised that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. So right from the early early days, God had got a plan for him. And we can take encouragement from that as well, can't we? You know. God has a plan for each and every one of us. He might not want us to be prophets. He might want, you know, he's got other jobs for you. He might want you to look after the toddlers on a Friday. But God's got a plan for each and every one of us. Speaking to Jeremiah, God says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. It's amazing, isn't it? Before we were even thought of, God knew us. Before you were born, I set you apart. So you might be sitting there this morning saying, I don't know what God's got for me, but God's got something. And it's up to us to find out what it is and listen to what he's saying. So the the same is true for each one of us. God's got a plan for us. He knows where he wants us to be and what he wants us to do. So what can we learn from Samuel I've got three points, and we'll see whether we get through them all or not. Um, first of all, it's we need to listen. We need to listen. Samuel had an open ear to God, and he was always ready to listen. Uh, chapter 3, which we've read the first part of so far, is the account of how Samuel was called to be a prophet. Notice right in verse 1, it says, uh, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. It's a bit like today, isn't it? You know, we can say exactly the same thing. The word of the Lord is, was rare. We don't hear much from God these days, do we? And the people and priesthood had rejected God. How much is that, retic- you know, the same today, isn't it? People are rejecting God. They say, we don't want God. We, you know, we'll, we can work it out on our own. And even the churches are, are putting aside things of the word of God. They're rejecting what God's saying. If we're not in that position to listen, God's not going to speak. In verse 1, we read, he was ministering to the Lord. Whatever duties that involved, I mean, he was still young. uh, He was focused on God. He'd got a task to do. He'd got something to do for the Lord. And this is the third time that we read about him ministering to, to the Lord. In, uh, in chapter 2, verse 11, and in, and in verse 18, it says he was ministering to the Lord. Although he was only a young boy, he was used to spending time with God and serving God. It's suggested that he was about 12 years old. And that's, when you think about it, that's the same age that Jesus was when he was found in the temple, teaching the, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, wasn't it? So we need to encourage our young children, don't we? It's great to see... see our young ones uh, singing, doing things in the church. And we need to keep encouraging to do that. You know, God can speak to them just as much as he can speak to uh, the older ones. So we really need to, to encourage our young folks as they serve and minister in the church. And Samuel was a real example of that, wasn't he? He was in a place to be able to hear God. Not only physically, I mean, he was in the tabernacle in the temple place, so he was, he was physically there, but he was spiritually in that place as well. He was ministering to God. We spoke a lot lately in our church, haven't we, about hearing from God uh, in our setting here. For our generation, what we need to be doing here, in this area, in our church at this time. So how do we do that? We need to minister to him, don't we? We need to be like Samuel, minister to him, put ourselves in that place. Set ourselves a place and a time to be able to, uh, for God to be able to speak to us, but to be able to listen as well, be in that quiet time, you know, that, that little space away from everything else. There's so much going on in the world, isn't there, in our lives. It's always hard to set that time, but we need to do it. We need to give God the opportunity uh, to, to speak to us and be ready to listen. Verse 10, it says, Speak for your servant he is. We need to be in that place where we can say speak, I'm ready to listen. And Samuel acknowledged that he was the servant doing God's will, not the other way around. He says, Speak for your servant listens. You know, it's it's often we, we come into church and into our meetings and we, we, we tell God what he should be doing, don't we? You yeah. know, how he should be sorting the problems out, how we, you know, what, what we need him to do, uh, how we need him to cope with things. But we should be listening for what he wants us to be doing, not the other way around, you know, not not giving the list and say, you know, I want you to sort that out, Lord. But, you know, he might be saying, well, you've got, you've got the ability, you go and do it. So we need to be listening to what He's saying. And then we must be willing to hear with an obedient heart. In James chapter 1, verse 22 and 25, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law and gives, that gives freedom and can, continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. It's no good hearing from God if we're not willing to do what he says, is it? How often have we had the urge to go and speak to somebody or share something with somebody? Uh, and we've not done it. And then afterwards, um, we realized that God had given us that opportunity to, to go and do something, to bless somebody. And you know, they won't miss out because God will use somebody else. If we don't do what he said to, you know, for that person, uh, it, it's us that misses out on the blessing then, because we haven't done what, uh, what God said. Paul in Romans says that the uh, the Israelites heard the message, but they didn't follow it. And he's talking about the message of the gospel, but that's the same for us today. You know, if we're not it, hearing the message and not accepting it, we're not going to get the blessing from it, are we? Samuel recognized that he had to give God's word without fail. I'm going to read the rest of uh, chapter 3 from verse 11. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. You know, we use that term, it makes your ears tingle. And I've always thought of it as something nice. But when God said it, um, it was always, when he said, I'm going to make your ears tingle, it was always something that he was going to bring that wasn't nice. It was usually uh, quite a severe judgment. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end, for I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it, he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord let him do what is good in his eyes so Samuel gave the word to Eli without any compromise didn't he sent said, uh, bad news as it was he knew he knew what god was going to do and what he would you know what was uh, going to be revealed to him but he didn't hold anything back even though Eloy was his boss in the temple, he, he was the priest, he was the one in charge. And uh, if you look in chapter 2, it tells you the whole prophecy against uh, that was against Eloy because his sons had gone away and they were not uh, they were desecrating the temple and they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. So God had said, you know, I'm going to punish you and your whole family. We can't let external influences stop us telling the God's truth, can we? We need to preach the word of God, whether it's popular or not. And, uh, and these days, these days it's uh, very often not popular. But we need to preach the word of God, whether it's popular or not. And Samuel didn't let any of the words fall to the ground. He didn't miss anything out, he gave the whole message in its entirety. And Eli had told him, said, you know, don't be nice. Don't, don't let the bad bits, you know, miss the bad bits out. So we need to do the same. We need to give the, the word in its entirety. We have to live by all the word of God. We can't pick and choose the bits that we like, can we? In Matthew 4, verse 4, it says, every, every word of God will give us life. So, we need the whole word of God, all of it, and that will bring us eternal life. And Acts 27 says, Give the whole counsel of God. That's not just the parts that people want to hear. You know, people will listen to you, won't you, if you say nice things to them and uh, if you say, you know, everything's going to be great and uh, you're not going to have any problems. But that's not the word of God, what the word of God says. And if God's revealed something to you to share with someone, he wants you to share it all. You know, the good and the bad. Um, And then our duty is then to walk alongside people when they go through the bad times. So we need to give the whole counsel of God, not just the parts that uh, people want to hear. So we need to listen intently, take it in and be willing to obey what it says. Secondly, we need to have the true standards. I'm going to read 1 Samuel chapter 8. I've lost the place because they fell on the floor. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. It says, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, as all the other nations have. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all, the, all that the people are saying to you. It is not you that they have rejected as, as their king, but me. As they have done from the day I brought them out, up out of Egypt until this day, Forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Samuel didn't want to be like all the other nations round about. He'd seen what the other nations were doing. They were all worshipping false gods. They were all doing their own thing um, and not obeying by, uh, not obeying the, you know, the things that the Lord has set before them. He recognised the false standards of the nations round about. And it displeased him. Uh, He didn't want to go down that road. And uh, the world wants us to accept its standards, doesn't it? For right and wrong. Um, Isaiah 520 warns us about this. It says, Woe to those who call evil good, good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You know, the world turns things around, doesn't it? It makes what's bad seem good. Uh, I don't know whether it's still a popular thing, but I, I don't know, a couple of years ago, uh, the word wicked was used a lot, but it meant good. So people were using something that was bad to say it was, it was not, something was nice. And that's what the world's done. That's what Satan's doing in the world. Isn't he? He's turning the standards around. He's making what's, what's bad seem good, and people are drawn into these things, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're just going to through this phase of, uh, of Halloween, aren't we, at, the, at, the, at this time, where the world is making light of the, of the, um, of the bad things and uh, making it seem a pleasurable time rather than looking at it for what it is. You know, the devil's work, subtly working his way into people's lives Saying that, yeah, it's 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 not a bad thing to worship me. It's not a bad thing to, to go down this road and and with all the uh, the, the evils in the world. So it, you know, Satan's working that through. And those are the the world's standards. The standards now where everyone decides their own right and wrong. It's whatever you want is okay. You know, you you decide what's what's good. You decide what what you want to do, and that's that's perfectly fine. We had our new Prime Minister uh, speaking last Monday, wasn't it? Was it last Monday? Yeah, yeah, last Monday. Things are moving that fast, aren't they? Uh, When he he made his first speech outside Downing Street and he was talking about um, honesty and integrity. And we need to pray um, that he will hold true to his words, but it won't be... His honesty and integrity, it will be the honesty and integrity that that God set in place. You know, not his ways, but God's ways. We can't agree to allow the world to set the standards. God set the standards and we can't change it. Jeremiah 6.16 says, ask where the good way is and walk in it. Ask God what's what's right. Samuel here said, you know, uh, he was displeased. And uh, he asked God which way to go. Samuel recognized the true source of righteousness. When he was faced with that difficult decision, he went to God. You know, he got all these people round about him saying, we want a king, we want to be like everybody else. Um, But he knew that that wasn't what God was saying. So he prayed. When the early church faced difficulties... They prayed, didn't they? You remember when Peter was in prison? They were praying earnestly uh, for the things that were going on. He wasn't the only one suffering. You know, the church generally was being persecuted. But they were praying earnestly. And we're facing difficulties today, aren't we? You know, we've got uh, the problems with the government. We've got problems with the economy. People wondering what they're going to do, how they're going to pay the bills and stuff like that. We've got strife all across the world. We need to be praying earnestly. Not relying on the wisdom of our our politicians or the world leaders, but praying that they will seek the wisdom that comes from our true and our living God. We need them to have that wisdom. Uh, As I said, I'd encourage all of you to get to the prayer meetings when it's possible. If you can get to our prayer meetings, then that's where we need to be, isn't it? It's important, it's the most important meeting in our church. We've said it over and over again. But yet the prayer meetings is one of the least attended meetings of our in our church. There's also a, a Zoom prayer meeting on a Wednesday morning, just for half an hour, if you if you want to get involved in that. Come and see me. It's just a just a time for half an hour where you can share with God and, and come and pray. We've already announced that Margaret is seeking to launch this time of intercessory prayer. You know, the revivals in the past came because people were praying. You know, they they were, they they saw the difficulties and they wanted God to do something in it. And uh, they were earnestly praying How much more do we at this time need to be earnestly praying for our nation, for our church, and for the area round about us here? So I'd encourage you, you know, listen, pray, and abide by the true standards that God's saying to us. You know, we're in the world, we're not of the world. We're here to shine the light to the world round about. And uh, that light is, is upholding the true standards that God has given to us. Now, third, or well my third point, was Samuel was obedient. In one Samuel fifteen, and verse thirteen, it says, "Samuel, when Samuel reached him, that's that's Saul. Uh, Samuel had been told to go and meet Saul because uh, he'd got a message for him, and so Saul had been told to go and." Uh, do a job. And Samuel, after this, Samuel went and reached him and he said, uh, Samuel said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleating of sheep in my ears? What is this loving of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, the soldiers brought them back from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God but we totally destroyed the rest. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul said. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he set you on a a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites, make war on them until You have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag their king. The soldiers took the sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to the Lord, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal." But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of the rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. So Samuel was obedient. Saul had been told to to go and attack the Amalekites and totally destroy them. That's in chapter 15, verses 1 to 3. Makes some good reading. You you need to read these sorts of things for yourself afterwards to get the whole story. Uh, This might seem a bit harsh to us in these days, uh, but God had said 400 years earlier that he would bring judgment on the Amalekites because... They were the first people to attack Israel when they came out of Egypt. And they did that because they were greedy. They wanted what they got, uh, and they were uh, just being violent. So God had said he was going to judge this nation, which was 400 years ago. And this was the fulfillment of that promise. And you know, God always keeps his promises, doesn't he? Whether they're good or bad, he always keeps his promises. And if God has promised us something, we need to hold on to that. It might not be tomorrow. It might be further down the road. It might be in 400 years' time. God will always keep his promises. And, you know, his greatest promise is that he's coming again, isn't it? And when Samuel comes to meet Saul, Saul blesses him and and says he's done what was commanded, knowing full well that he hadn't uh he, he tried to get his his word in first saying you know i've, I've done what uh i've, I've done what you, you said i was supposed to do you know to take the take the pressure off and to take control of the situation but you know samuel he he wasn't going to be hoodwink was he and he says you know what's all these sheep up near what's all these these cows up there? um and then as soon as saul You know, knew that he uh, was—he was found out. Out come the uh, the excuses for his disobedience. The first thing he said was uh, he blamed the people. He says they brought the best back. You know, people not me. The people did it. They—they brought the best—the best animals back. And uh, it's easy for us, isn't it, to to blame somebody else? Remember, right in the first instance, Adam and Eve. What did Adam do? So, you know, uh, when we found out, we, you know, we tend to blame somebody else. It wasn't us. We didn't do it. Somebody else did. But then in the next, the next sentence, he does include himself. Uh, he says, the rest we bought back. And we, the, uh, sorry, the rest we totally destroyed. We bought the best back, but everything else we, we totally destroyed. Uh, so he, he includes himself. Then he acknowledges that, well, maybe he had got a bit to do with it. And then he justified what they kept because uh, of the quality that it was. He says it was it was the best the best sheep, the best cattle. Uh, you know, we didn't want to destroy what was really good stuff. So he tried to justify what they'd done by saying it was it was really good. And then he compounds it even more because he says it was really good stuff. Uh, and we claimed it for a reason that we were going to sacrifice it to God. So we're saying, God, God has told me to, to do this, but we, we've decided we knew better. we kept the best so we could, we could give a sacrifice to him. So we must be obedient to God, haven't we? As Jesus was obedient, in Hebrews 5, 8 and 9, he says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Jesus obeyed the Father even to the death on the cross so that we could have eternal life. And if it was important for Jesus to be obedient under those circumstances, how much more is it important for us to be obedient to what he tells us to do? And just as Samuel points out that obedience is better than sacrifice. So today God looks on our love for him in keeping his commands. Saul was rejected by God as king from that day. Verse 20, 23, it says, Because you have rejected the, world, the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. So everything that he got was going to be taken from him. And again, if you read the following chapters, uh, you'll see how that came about. so he was rejected as king and god no longer gave him any support matthew 7:21 says not everyone who calls or says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of god but only he who does the will of my father in heaven and 1 john 4:3 says this is the love for, this is love for god to obey his commands if we love god we will obey what he says if we love somebody, nothing is a hardship, is it? Everything is a joy. You know, if you love somebody, it doesn't matter what they ask or what they need, you'll do it, won't you? Even, uh, and you'll count it as, as a joy, rather than a hardship. It's uh, went when, when I was courting many moons ago, uh, I'd very often walk from Wolverhampton back to Wensbury at night because we'd missed the last bus. But, you know, it's not a hardship, is it, then? I don't know whether I'd do it today. I don't know whether I'd be capable of doing it today. But if you love somebody, nothing's a hardship, is it? You'll do anything. And if we love God, then uh, nothing is a hardship to obey his commands, you know. So that's our three lessons from Samuel. If we pre- profess to be Christians, first of all, we need to listen to what God is saying to us. We need to be prepared to hear what he's saying in our circumstances. We need to apply the true standards to our lives we, day by day. And we need to obey the commands he's given to us to do. Amen. I trust those few words will encourage us, bless us, and uh, help us to walk closer with him. We're gonna finish there, we're just gonna pray, unless you haven't got it, no. Pray and we'll uh, we'll finish there. Father, we do thank you that you are willing to speak to us. And Lord, it's very often the onus is on us to hear what you're saying, to listen to what you wanna to say, to give, us, give you the time to be in our situations and in our lives. And so Father, I pray that as we part today, you will go with us and that you will give us that attentive ear to hear what you're saying through this week, that you'll give us the opportunities to speak to others uh, and to, to spread the word to them, Lord. Lord, our world is in such a mess. Lord, there's nothing that we can do without your guidance and your help. And Lord, I pray that you would make us those willing vessels to speak the truths into people's lives and circumstances. And so, Lord, we commit this day to you. We continue to pray that you'll be with us until we meet again. And we do pray especially for Simon at this time, that you will bless him, bless his family, bless the situation there. And for others, Lord, in our fellowship who really need a touch in their lives from you, I pray that they would really know the blessing of you in their their situations this week. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.